Welcome to Voices. My name is Ian Hunter, and I talk to people. Joining me today is the multifaceted musician Robbie House. We chat about the challenges and process of recording at home, the intricacies of bartending, the promise of real estate, and a few other cool things. Stick around. We don't need that. We're not using that. No, I was just curious. <laughs> Are you looking at the computer? Yes. I'm trying to be as old school and vintage as possible here, man. Me too. I'm trying to find out the... Let me find out the year of this iMac. <laughs> so the keyboard is smaller on that iMac than... It is. And you won't rest until, until you get to the bottom of why. I will not rest. Hanging out with Mr. Robbie House. We're hanging today. out. Today is... A day. Look at this. This is a 2021. Okay. 2019 is the model. Well, that's not going to tell you anything about the keyboard, though. Oh, yes. Yeah, that keyboard, I think, is one of the older, smaller ones. Is yours bigger? Or? Much bigger. I feel like this is more efficient. Possibly. I like the keyboard better, so I think it's probably part of the part and parcel of the set that came out in the yeah. 2019 model here. All right. You can rest it. You want to rest it? We can rest it. Put it in rest so it's not distracting. All right, I'm going to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll just go into automatic rest. Just put sleep. We'll just put it to sleep. Just put sleep. All right. How you doing? Yeah. How's life? Have you had a day? Have I had a day? Yeah. I had, they tend they, I tend to have a lot of them. How does that mic sound though? You I have like the, the same mic. mic. I do. I think that I think the uh this is the mic that Robbie and I have been and another talented young lady, Miss Lee McDonald. She's played who has she played with? Lots um, of other people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her previous band, uh, Zikadu Money Clips, uh, yeah. they've released tons of music videos, and I know they did like an East Coast tour and released a couple albums. And um, Shout out to the t- notorious Mr. Paul Taylor on drums. Yeah, no, he was a member of that as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're excited about uh, just finishing up this project. I've been recording some of her originals in my studio as well, and uh, looking forward to uh, getting a band together that encompasses both her fronting, me fronting, and... Uh, Hopefully you on drums. We'll see how the other chips fall. We've been recording piecemeal on his latest album in Robbie's house in Cooper Young, the Cooper Young subdivision of uh, Cooper Young in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Do you have a title? Yes, the album is titled Mood Swings. Mood Swings. Accurately titled. Perfection. This man has been on the Memphis music scene for, for many, many years. He's very humble, um, very subtle, but very loud when he laughs, though. It's very hearty, and it's contagious. Come on, let's hear it. Oh, I'm backing <laughs> away from the mic now. Um, it's coming together. I'm pleased to play drums on it. Hopefully, they don't sound like shit. And uh, you've been mixing, so. Right, no, no, they sound fantastic. I've got, uh, I've got you're on all 10 tracks. Um, I've got it. I've got you mixed down. Um pretty much uh the levels or everything yeah that we needed we we just basically uh did it the way they did back in the 50s and 60s you set a singular room mic 
you get basically centered to the room. You have a singular mic. It's capturing your essentially overhead. In this case, it was SM7B, which is requires a lot of preamps to get that. Drive, yeah, but it doesn't catch a lot of the flaws of a room, which is beneficial. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Your tracking is your tracking is done. You're sounding great. Well, I'm I'm a newbie, and I would like to studio record more in the future. I like that that sort of thing. I didn't realize how cumbersome it is or how the complete opposite of a live performance it is it really is now i see why when people go on tour to do a live performance is just completely different animal not only does it sound different to the ear of the audience but it's just just a different animal the studio you can craft things and cut and splice and do all that but you can't do that for a live performance so hats off to all musicians who can do that or maybe i'm coming from an the position of having only played live and now I'm getting into studio stuff, um, which really reminds me of editing my own stuff, audio, video, film. So you're a pro, you're a vet. Well, I would say that you actually have just as much, probably more experience editing than the vast majority of people who get into uh, audio recording in a studio setting. So I think for, for someone like you, it was, it, I, I was, this it kind of surprised me that this was a, a challenge for you because it seems that you seems like a total natural at it. I appreciate it. How long have you been a musician? Um, All I, your life? <laughs> no, no. I kind of, I was a bit of a late bloomer. I started in my uh, early 20s, I think was 22, 23, and started writing original songs. And then I've been doing that for the last 16 years now. What did you pick up first? Strings, uh, the bass? Acoustic guitar. So before you even wrote songs? Uh, I basically picked up an acoustic guitar and started writing songs instantly. But um, Wow. But yeah, no. As far as uh, quality, my uh, my composition quality was always more ambitious than my technical abilities. So, yeah, yeah, I was they were very sloppy and rough and early on, but they've matured a, a bit. So, as you tend, as one tends to do, as you uh, just invest the time into it, and you're fine. You hope that your technical ability catches up with your ambition, but even if it doesn't, you're uh, still able to communicate more of your original message and more of the original mes- mo- emotion, which is what. The song deserves you learn how to serve the song more fully. And then people just came into your life at the right time as far as bandmates and things like that. I've been pretty fortunate about that over the years. Yeah. Every time uh, I feel like if you uh, project a certain energy in the universe, uh, those people will just show up. And so that's, I've been very fortunate with that. That's what they say, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I met you in like 2015. So you were quite established and people that I met that knew you just knew of you and knew of your, you know, your musicianship and your collaboration and your bands and all that stuff. So like a lot of Memphis musicians, uh, you might have not have grown up with them, but you, by the time you meet them, they have a track record locally, musically, if that makes sense. Oh, completely. And I feel like that, especially a River City, whether it's Memphis, which is what we love, or Detroit, New Orleans, Chicago, St. Louis, you get a lot of those uh different tributaries flowing into the river. So even if you meet someone 10, 15 years on your journey, you know, you can pick up pretty quickly with them because you can find all the parallels and all the commonalities and the common musicians that yeah. experiences you've shared and venues you've, you've both played. And it's pretty, that's a pretty incredible thing about music cities along the river. In my opinion, that's different from what you get from big coastal cities where there's, you're competing with, you know, $20 billion industries where it's here. It's, Memphis, I feel, is a very music-centric city. Yeah, I talked about that with a DJ recently, uh, JB. Similar to how he picks records and stuff, I assumed that you had to have this kind of vast knowledge 
encyclopedic knowledge of things. He said you can feel it out. The era that something comes from, from what it's going to sound like, the cover art, what it's going to sound like, who, who, all these cross talents that worked on each other's albums and things like that, like studio culture. And then we have our own, obviously, our own studio culture from the... Was it really the 1950s where that exploded? Um, obviously, we had our a heritage before that. We had like blues and stuff like that, soul, gospel. But as we know it, the music heritage in Memphis, as we know it, was it the 1950s? Yeah, but as far as Sun, um, they started exploding um, in the early 50s. And I feel like that was definitely where you started to get... Uh, some of the country and rhythm and blues audiences kind of melding together to form that label. And you, you, you've actually got a, you have some vintage blues and country on there, but prior to the rock and, rock and roll explosion. So I think that, yeah, I think that was the era where Memphis started to get put on the map as a, a kind of a Mecca for musicians. Yeah. And we're surrounded by so much energy in this music lab, aren't we? Absolutely. All these vinyl records and CDs and, and, and the library, even this room we're in, it's like some classic posters. I see $5 cover over there, which is a Craig Brewer thing. There's Sam hard and heavy on his bike there. Uh, there's, a mixture and there's like upcoming shows there's jd and his, his stuff his podcast and his band there's a prince mongo thing behind you there too a couple of prince mongo posters it's pretty sweet and there is a turntable i want to utilize this stuff at some point in the future you can run all this stuff into the mixer here so we could like play a record you know review a record maybe play play some of your stuff play your new is it April? Is that when it's dropping? We're going to, yeah, to be continued on that one. That one is, uh, it's kind of a moving target, but uh, yeah, I plan yeah. to release it sometime in the second quarter of uh, this year for sure. Cool. And then after the 50s, you had almost like this, this kind of cross, this, this, this mesh of, um, we merged into like the Stax era and a completely different type of music, completely different group of people. But it was like the, the one, two, the two of the one, two step of getting kickstarting the engine of, of local Local Memphis music, right? Absolutely. And um, I think you have uh, some roots with Stax as well. Yeah. You know, my, my pops played, uh, speaking of drums, he played. Mr. Alvin played with the Barquets, the Stable Singers, people like that. Back in the day, you know, they say back in the day. Went on tour. He played on that um, Watt Stax documentary. Have you seen that? I have. I have. Yeah, no, he's yeah. fantastic in that documentary. Yeah. Historic concert. Uh, historic concert and, and fantastic documentary and anybody who hasn't seen it should check that out yes they should were you did you grow up in a house of music i did not um it, it you grew up with music i yeah i grew up just um i think i think for me it was a kind of a way to push back against uh what i felt was a very enclosed and and uh kind of entrapped situation in life and so for me it was always the only way i knew how to communicate and to uh, kind of document what was going on and ex be expressive in my own way. Yeah, at that age, everybody's going through something, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you remember your first record that you that bought? First record CD, I bought. First tape. CD. Or was it a tape? First uh, cassette tape uh, was Michael Jackson's Thriller. Wow. That was yeah. my favorite as a kid. I was uh, blessed to have a mother who brought stuff home in boxes. I don't know where she got them from. She had boxes of stuff just tapes and it was always a variety of things so i'm i'm grateful for that because i think the young mind needs to be shaped by universality and variety right oh i agree and i think that that's another to, to tie it back into memphis that's one of the things that we do extremely well here is that we're uh it's it's, it's almost impossible to you can throw a rock and 
hit a guitar player, yeah. bass player, a harmonica player, um, sax player, trumpet player. But the, the, and the key is, you know, you, you guys might have 60% overlap on your music because you've been exposed to so many different strands of it being in a city like this. So there's just so, it's so easy to find people like, oh, you know, it's not like you're just like a singular jazz lover or R&B or rock. You know, a lot of people have a lot of crossover, uh, crossover in a city like this. I love it. Yeah. Um, and it's an easy town, arguably, to, to do everything in. That's something J.D. Rieger mentioned when we spoke was because of cost of living and things like that, it might be a little bit easier to focus harder on what you want to do. You know, if you're sitting in your living room or your bedroom cutting an album and instead of having to work all around the clock to pay to, you know, meet bills and then relationships and friendships and other things come easier here. And, uh, just the energy of the city versus I don't want to bring up or knock any other cities, but oh, no. you know, you also work in real estate. You're in the game. You're ahead of the game. That is where I would like to head. I'm learning about that world. I know you're probably the next thing out of your mouth is going to be, uh, it's time to stop learning and to start doing, but <laughs> no, no, it's, everyone's journey, uh, begins when, uh, when they're ready, you know, for some people, your journey may begin and you're jumping on a motorcycle and you're rolling across South America for somebody else. Your journey may begin and as an intellectual curiosity and start five years later, I think everybody has to make their steps when they're ready. Anything in life worth pursuing. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for the encouragement. I appreciate that. Um, so, Michael Jackson's Thriller, did you wear out the tape? I mean... What was the progression after that? Hmm, that's an interesting question. So, I, I think it's, for me, um, I've, always, I've always loved pop and uh, things of that nature. But I definitely, with the rebellious side, you know, it's easy to get into some of the... Uh, the punk that came out of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I latched on to. But for me, it was more about the emotion than the musical style. It was more about the, the uh, you know, the the refusal to be caged and, and to want some kind of progress in society. So I could re relate to the ethos of the music. And then I always liked uh, pop and, you know, R&B and, and, and soulful music and music with, uh, you know, um, I definitely a centralized melody, but I've always liked enough genres that I feel like everything I do is a little bit avant-garde while still being a little yeah. bit indie. But at the end of the day, I do like melody. I like melody as a centralized yeah. kind of instrument more so than whatever, whatever instrument I'm playing. That's just the way that I can, you know, kind of propagate that melody and, and that emotion. Yeah. And then all those genres, um, have found their way into your own music, obviously in your own, uh, recording discipline and, and everything. Right. Uh, Oh, for especially sure. your songwriting. Oh, absolutely. And um, I, I think everybody should, should be inclusive of, of their influences and wear them, wear them as a badge of pride. Like this is, I, I love this kind of music. Why not have a song that's going to showcase that side of me? Yeah. I like the, I like differing even on tracks within, within one album, instead of doing like a house album or a jazz album, I like, you know, just doing different things per, I think that's what you're doing on most of your stuff, right? It's just very different feels from track to track, from song to song. That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think uh, you can make a cohesive kind of statement that holds together, but there's a lot of variety within that statement. I think that's all the better for everyone involved. It keeps the listener's attention better, provides some dynamics, and uh, may give somebody some insight into what kind of shaped you as well. Yeah. And then the songwriting, you got into that heavily. Heavily. Lots and lots of originals. 
which lots. is unique about you. Most of yourself is original. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm eighty to hundred in now. Wow. So as far as tunes, but you know, some get released, some get to the sent to the slush pile. And how many of them were written about ex older women? <laughs> um, almost all of my songs are about exes. Um, how many were written about ex younger women? How many were written about obscure David Mamet films? Just one. <laughs> Please give the backstory on that. It was raining one day. It was raining. It was, was raining was in the film. I know. This was this what's inspired the title, right? Right. Are you ready to release the title or you don't want to do that yet? I don't know. Um, but you can at least tell us the, the story behind. Sure, yeah. Um, so I was just, uh, I was watching a early 90s film, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and it, uh, it, it was a film that featured copious amounts of rain it was just raining the entire movie pretty much until maybe the last 20 30 minutes and uh it was definitely uh you know everybody feels that way as far as their own melancholy and things like that and just the overwhelming feeling i believe there was like a jazz intro to the film as well but i was just already in that kind of mode so kind of wrote a kind of jazzy instrumental that was called you know uh teardrops in the rearview mirror that's kind of based off of that you know i feel the film cool and this song, Lady, which is probably my favorite song oh, yeah. by you, um, it's kind of a, what do you call it? Like a loungy kind of... Lounge doo-wop. Lounge doo-wop. And you do this thing with your voice, um, which you do. It's just like a, what do you call that? Would you like to do it? Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it, are you? I'm not going to do you, it. When you raise it, it's kind of like a... Um, my falsetto. What do you call that? Falsetto. Like a like a an abrupt falsetto kind of thing, <laughs> because then you you go from that to very kind of low, um, uh, you drop low within the song, which is kind of rare, right? I like to I like to uh, just showcase different different vocal melodies and harmonies and kind of uh, so one thing about being in a studio, spending time in a studio by yourself, is you kind of learn how to harmonize with yourself and sing your own background vocals. And now I think probably my background vocals are probably better than my lead vocals at this point because I've spent yeah. so much time harmonizing. I've been in bands where uh, I was singing back up. Some other people were singing back up and those type of situations. And it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to have, to have other vocals there at, uh, to have other people's voices there to blend with yours when they're available for sure. Yeah. Our little trio thing that we formed Robbie house and the cartel with Mr. Ellis Jones on guitar and just for a second there, it was Ty Pack, who's also an excellent local guitarist. Um, and then we, we played a couple shows, and then this, this virus thing happened, and we kind of dissipated, but we're back at it. We're in a different form, just working on your current album. So, Well, in this project, but you know, definitely a live project that's going to be a more expansive plan soon, where it's going to be more inclusive of other material as well. But yeah, for this project, for sure, it's a good way to kind of fight back against uh you know the three years of uh pretty much the entire world being reshaped by covid you know that yeah. and, and that's normal especially in the arts the arts are the first thing to kind of get fall by the wayside and every industry got hit by the pandemic effects so yeah thankfully memphis is a town that has a lot of arts organizations that support musicians in a bind like that or in a once a hundred year bind like that so a lot of people got um uh, i won't say bailed out but got support you know even if it was just a one-time thing it really helped in the midst of the lockdowns and stuff like that so kudos to our arts organization within the city of memphis tennessee were you writing during that time mm-hmm. yeah you I, were working and yeah writing. i think i wrote 
three albums during during the uh, COVID lockdown. But we've, you know, that was a long, we had a long time to do it. And, you know, I think we were all, you know, to a degree steadily working somewhere, whether it be remote or otherwise. But, you know, you still have like all those social hours that you would normally have had to be filled with something. And for me, it's real easy to be cloistered up and just writing songs. So, yeah. What kind of bass are you playing these days? I'm still playing. I'm still playing my Fender jazz bass. Um, still playing uh, my 83 custom Fender Strat. And then sweet. Then I'm playing um, just a basic full size uh, Williams keyboard, which is where I've composed most of this uh, present record that's going to be released. And then, yeah. of course, with the uh, other uh, instruments as well. But uh, that's been the primary compositional tool. And then, uh, yeah. And it's a. Uh, been a it's been a project in the making there's a couple of albums i've shown but i think this one needed to get out so so as a real estate agent do you promise your um uh clients who buy through you a live performance in their living room the day they show up on the lawn to move the furniture in, or is that do you hear those keys jingling is, is that a possibility do you hear those keys jingling that's the sound of your you opening the door to your new home yes while you walk into a live performance from a six-piece fan dude that just literally just came into my head, but I think that could be a thing. Like a themed real estate agent. While, while all the other like agents are doing their like, you know, suit and tie thing and their, you know, whatever they do, like you could spice, you could be, dude, like the, the musician agent. Tired of door knocking and cold calls? <laughs> are you going to follow that up or? <laughs> no. I'm, no contacts. So I'm just going to leave it there. Walk into a, um, a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross riot. <laughs> and I heard that Elvis Costello personally called you and referred his mixer to you as his engineer. That is not correct. <laughs> Could you clarify? what? I will not. Okay. Not ready to reveal that one just yet either. Not yet. I get you. You were editing with modern equipment, obviously, using Logic. Yeah. I'm just thinking about where the technology is going with artificial intelligence and things and how relevant it will be. I choose my words wisely to say how relevant it will be versus how relevant we will be because obviously the human will need to be, especially within the context of the arts, always need to be present, even though this tech is getting very scary, isn't it? <laughs> as yeah. far as its ability to replicate human voices and reach for replicating human ingenuity. So it's interesting times. we got to keep it real. Oh, for sure. No, that's one of those factors where I think that as long as you're, uh, as long as you're not overly dependent on the technology, it's there to serve you, and it can, and it can make your life easier. But I do think it's just about having that balance and that awareness of what role it plays in your life, and uh, I think that's the key. Obviously, it's a good tool because you can cut and move things and fix drummers' timing and things <laughs> like that. So, you know, it's it's worth its stuff. You're also an excellent bartender. <laughs> that's one of your recovering uh, bartender. That's one of the trades of Mr. Jack over here. <laughs> recovering bartender? Yeah. No, I mean you're very good. Well, thank you, thank you. Oh no, I mean recovering as far as uh, yeah, <laughs> as far as no longer doing that. Yeah, retired from the game. Yeah. Well, you're good. Thank and, you. And I have uh, seen the situation around town. It doesn't even doesn't matter how fancy the bar is or how nice it you know nice the place is it's very easy to mess up drinks apparently so oh, yeah. so there's only a handful that can really make you something that's um i'm not a big drinker but just for making a cocktail properly and things like that it's 
it seems like it's the process is simpler than people mess it up to be, if that makes sense. Right. Um, well, and I think, I think a big part of the process too, is it's, uh, it's an, it's an evolving trade and you're in the business of people at the end of the day. So if you want a sweet and sour, but you're from New York, you may want, uh, or, or simple words, just say a whiskey sour. You may want actual egg white in yours, but if you're from right. Memphis, you may you may want it to be on the sweeter side. So a lot of it is sociology and be able to identify, kind of like you know, walk up through it and like, hey, would you like this kind of impact to it, or would you like it to be more on this side? It's it's about getting to know the person to find out what their taste preferences are. And a lot of that's education too, baked in, right? Like a lot of people, the lay person might just not know. Right. That they could get it with egg or, you know, they, they might not be knowledgeable right. of that regional difference and they might be able to try it and then they have a new favorite or something like right. that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or they may tell you, oh, I like gin. Well, right. Have you ever had a Negroni? They may never have a Negroni. Have you ever had a, you know, insert, insert gin? You know, they may just be used to a tinger and tonic. They may just be used to something like that, but they might like a, you know, a gin fizz or a Negroni or something like that. So just giving yeah. them the options of other of of other available cocktails is i think that's given that given your uh, empowering your guests is going to give you the chance to uh, make their experience better you see the intricacies with which he describes these drinks he's a musician through and through thank you thank you absolutely what's the vision or are you a day at a time guy I, like me i think that's all we can do is uh is is ha- we you have to have long-term goals and uh to an extent but uh yeah, I think after what we've seen in the last few years, like thinking that you have uh, strong and sturdy predictions is clearly, you know, the the world may say otherwise. So it's good to you have to be you have to be flexible to a degree and be willing to uh, accept the changes that are out of your hands. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. And uh, so, I, yeah, I definitely don't have any uh, singular set goals that are have to be accomplished. But uh, musically, well, I'd like to release content, but. Uh, We'll see what happens. And then real estate, just keep on doing the thing. Keep on keeping on. Help. Uh, I, I prefer to help first-time home buyers. I, I like to uh, empower people to build their own equity and and and, and start on their journey building their own wealth. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, those people are ready when they're ready to. And uh, you know, uh, I think something like something a career like that, it's it does come down to just hey, you know, you're you're helping people, so you have to help them understand when the timing might be right for them or what the steps they need to do to even be ready for that sometimes. So a lot of that is education as well. Yeah. I mean, I hear buying a house is extremely um, simple process. It's just, you just sign a couple of papers, right? And you're done like four email exchanges. Is that about it? Or is it five? This is your own particular brain of sarcasm. And I've known you for long <laughs> enough to recognize that. No, there's, could it be not, simpler? What can it we do? Be, can we code an app or something? Could it be simpler? They could update it from the 17th century <laughs> to the 21st century. For no starters. particular brand of sarcasm. <laughs> I mean, what other kind is there? I mean, I don't know. It's your brand. It's your trademark. I should market that. Yeah, own it. Just call it Ian. Ian. No, I. I uh, well, I was just making that joke because I hear it's extremely complex and. I'm always thinking of systems and how things could be more efficient. So you are too, I think. Um, but you seem to be saying that it's, it has to be that way. It's just the, the legalities of it, the um, you know the technical aspects of it, and all that. The bureaucratic just, uh, red tape, if you will. Well, what is the red tape like? Well, it, think about all the moving parts. You're if you're a licensed real estate agent, you you're paying continual fees to uh, 
for MLS service. You're paying to be part of a uh, an, an organization. You're being paying to be part of a brokerage. And then once you're there, you have to, you you're uh, you're always under scrutiny everything you do. But at the same time, your job is to ethically guide someone. And mm-hmm. if you're ethically guiding somebody to a choice that you, you can't steer them either though. So you can't steer them. So you have to be there to guide them. So there's so a lot the, of, there's a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of opportunity for. So the bias is in the training. Is that correct? Well, I'd say the bias is in a lot of the, uh, or the not being biased is in the training, right? Like I think the code of ethics is a positive thing, but I think just the way, um, cause there's a, million different forms as well. And and there's a lot of boilerplate legal uh verbiage that has to be included, but and there's you you can have some level of creativity with how you write contracts and how you create deals and what clauses you want to use, but at the end of the day, you know, um there's so many things standing in your way from being able to help people at times, I think. And I, I think a lot of it is just um it, it also depends on on the situation of the person you're dealing with, if you're dealing with somebody who is already highly educated on the home buying process and, you know, they have the perfect credit score and they know exactly what they want and their income mm-hmm. is where it needs to be, then it's probably not going to be that challenging. But the reality is the people you want to help the most are the ones who don't have that situation. And, uh, right. and ethically, you have to do what's best to serve them, which is what you want to do, but also the way your limitations in your role kind of can yeah, stop. It, it just struck me. It's almost like a parallel to being a lawyer or something. Um, There's some similarities. You have that code to live by and you're, you're doing the best thing that you can to serve that individual. Um, arguably if it's defense or prosecution. Oh, for sure. And, and of course, obviously like attorneys, their, their level of depth and gra- the, how granular it gets just with training alone is far beyond like what it would take for to be an, to any kind of real estate agent or anything like that. But yeah, no, it's similar, similar, uh, kind of, uh, I guess you could say boundaries. Yeah. So, well, I know you adhere fully to that because you are very much a guy of integrity and I've seen it over the years. So you're, <laughs> thanks. you got, it. and we had some merch for that band for a minute there. There were some t-shirts and I always saw still some, uh, when I was uh, on social meds still, I would see the images. Right. Um, I think actually, I think my friend, yeah, I think my friend bought one before she moved out to LA so walking around L.A. somewhere on the beach in Venice is Robbie House and the cartel. Awesome. Yeah. So do that, make a decent living, and cut back on driving 15 hours a day. Have more time to film things and write things and shoot things and edit things. and That's the, the life, I think, right? I think you would that's be happier. I, I think you would be happier. You think so? I think so. I'm always seeking the balance, my friend. Well, that's always beneficial. You'll find it. Thanks for chatting with me, bro. Yeah, no, no. Thanks for having me. You're doing excellent work, as always. (laughs) Well, thank you. And um, I love you, man. Thank you. Hey, love you too, man. Thank you for having me. Let's go have a drink or a coffee or make some music or something. We'll we'll connect for sure. Stand by you Like a man